Hello, and welcome back to the Not For Profits podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Trina Parham. And I'm David Devon. And we are two seasoned nonprofit professionals, black professionals. And this is where we spill the tea on the behind the scenes of what's going on in the nonprofit space and how it impacts black leaders um, and other leaders of color. So that's what we're talking about. That's what we do. That's what we talk about. And today we're talking about remote work is a is a reprieve from racism. And um, so we're talking about this based on an article that we saw in the L.A. Times called Remote Work. Remote Work gave them reprieve from racism. Um, They don't want to go back. (laughs) And it was an article that interviewed um, a career coach, Jermaine L. Murray. And the article was written by Samantha Masugana. I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name right. Well, I think that's, yeah. Might just, it's close, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> um, and this article was really interesting as it delved into um, the benefits, really, of remote work for, for black people. And so that's what we're talking about today. So, uh, David, any thoughts to kick us off or what, what attracted you to this, this article? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Trina. I think immediately when I saw the title and I even saw the graphic of you know, the kind of split personality or split presentation of a black person where you can see they have their twists or their locks in one, like close cut hair in the other, collar, you know, more casual, and just how it allowed people to be themselves. It just brought up so much about when you walk in the doors of whatever organization, institution, and just how much, no, not even, step back how much you have to do in advance of even stepping in the doors day to day to put yourself into this presentation mode of being accepted, of being acceptable, of whatever it is, and then walking through the doors and like how you say hello, how you, what you brought for lunch, <laughs> what you talk about that happened this weekend that, that, that gives you this kind of um, cachet or, or the keys into uh, uh the, the culture of the organization. Um, there's all these things that you need to do that aren't necessarily who you are to fit into whatever that culture is. And just how much that takes away from your energy related to creativity and the work you already have to do, managing your team. Um, but it just, yeah, it just made me think of like when you walk in and just that, ah. Oh. <laughs> that have but what about for you Trina absolutely well I think you bring up a good point so this is something that we were talking about before we started recording which is you know our experience with at least for me my experience of being thought of as mean when I was working or standoffish or something like that and I'll be the first to tell you I can be funny acting you know and not for um and not for the reasons that you might think more so because I I'm automatically trying to figure out what energy you're bringing to the table. What, you know, I'm trying to see what you're on when you come in my space. And so while I've always considered myself to be a professional in the workplace and, you know, when I had a traditional job and, you know, I'm there to work, I'm there to work, do a job. And look, I'm not, I'm not going to take away from the importance of, you know, that camaraderie with staff and with your team and with other colleagues. So that's something that I also cultivated, but I cultivated it in my own way. And so if I didn't approach, act, 
interact, say good morning in the way that people thought, then I was seen as a problem or unapproachable or mean or whatever it is. Instead of, hey, I'm new. Mm -hmm. I'm taking in this environment and let me just see. So I wasn't smiling enough. Mm -hmm. And, and even being told that, you know, hearing through the grapevine that, well, I don't smile. Well, okay. So it, it, it's a very interesting experience. And so having to deal with all of that, in addition to your actual job, is a lot of work. So to have to think about, you know, what kind of smile you have today, maybe you had a bad day, being able to turn certain things off, you know, so that you can interact in this, I don't even know what that energy is, this putting on your mask. Mm-hmm. I'll say it that way. And if you don't put on, and so worrying about if you have the mask on, if you don't, what that means for your potential for promotion, what that means for your potential to get a raise, how you can even get your work done. Because a lot of times maybe your requests to another department are pushed down the list, even though, you know, you've got deadlines like everybody else. So all of that, and you haven't even gotten to your desk yet. Yes. So... So thinking about the idea of working remotely, and I know you and I have both done that, um, you know, working in traditional jobs, it does alleviate some of that pressure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I'll say I co-sign all of that. And I think the other thing that I want to be um, specific about in kind of white-led charity nonprofits is this other reality of people coming in and wanting to experience you as their black best friend Mm, because they actually don't have those people in their lives outside of work colleagues. So when you, all the, like the smile, what did you do this weekend? Show me pictures, you know, um, make me feel good about myself as a white person interacting with you. That there was also a lot of asks of that level of openness and kind of, validating them um that i i experienced a lot that this thing of like oh well like david thinks i'm cool or he's smiling or he's laughing or we can joke or he doesn't take offense to this thing that other people take offense to Mm. that i think that there was a lot of that like i need to um test and see if i need to maintain my shamefulness oh no, no no i'm fine i'm fine because this person's interacting with me and they're smiling so I'm good. That that kind of thing, especially I think especially in the work we were doing, this ask of I need to be proximate to you as a person of color, as a black person, and to feel feel good about the way I'm presenting, that was also like an energy ask mm. of us in mm-hmm. that environment. How did you what was going through your mind when that was happening? Like were you aware of it in the moment or did it take some reflection? When did you have these realizations about that experience? Yeah, yeah. I think it w- it varied. So there were some people where it was very obvious that that's what they were doing because within moments they'd like make a reference to like something that they considered black or, you know, let me tell you about this person who I'm dating that's of this background. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, great. <laughs> you know, like that was more obvious. And then there were others where it took some reflecting later to realize like, oh, this is the role I played. And I wasn't fully aware of that Mm -hmm. um, until like 
either I moved on or that kind of the level of that relationship ended, um, you know, colleagueship ended. So, so yeah, yeah, it was. And there's also an, uh, an element of, you know, and this may not have, (laughs) have worked with you, but me in that time where people would just say things that were unbelievably offensive, but you just have to be like, okay, you know, like they, they're like almost like they were testing. Like mm. I think I told you one time I came in after I had my injury and tore my pec. And I walked into the front desk and someone who was a white man said, oh, you, you dressed up as a cripple for Halloween. Oh my and this gosh. was on Halloween. That same person, they would be talking with random people and they'd come up to me. They were talking about like, sneaker releases which i'm actually not a sneaker head um but anyway (laughs) they're like oh david i bet you're you know you're wait outside like in one of those tents on the street like waiting for the the sneakers to be released and i was like i didn't know this story i don't but and this is the same person so they would just go around just like peppering these things almost as like a. I know if i said this in the street this probably wouldn't go so well. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do it in this environment because of the power dynamic and I know what I can get away with. And it's like, that's the kind of stuff that's like, you know what? Maybe that sort of comment over Zoom may not sting as much as being in person or may not happen as much when you're on Zoom than in person. Wow. But well, I definitely <laughs> did not experience any of that. Um, doesn't mean I couldn't have. Mm-hmm. But I think because my defenses were up, and I'm, and I'm there. I wasn't really there to be personable, other than with a handful of people. So there were very few interactions that I had. I, I don't. I don't know, and I don't know the difference. Maybe they saw you as being more open, and like you said, they they felt like they could. They wanted to push the envelope with you a little more, just to see how you would react. But then get you in a position where you were in like this gotcha moment of, see, I knew he was like that. Mm-hmm. kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, versus exactly. for me, I think it was more of, um, yeah, I, I don't know how it's going to go if I say something like that to her, even though to me, I didn't present as I'm going to attack you or anything, but um, I definitely would have had something to say. Yeah. So, and I, and I think when you, when you are working remotely, that you do have a lot less of that. Um, I think things can can get lost in translation sometimes when you are um, in a Zoom meeting or over email or Slack or whatever it is, but you have less of the you have less of the in person. You have less of that in person stress of someone making a comment like that because. They can't really see your whole body or whatever mm-hmm. it is. I think just the, again, I think something you mentioned, the energy drain of having to do all of that and show up for work is is really intense. And I think what we're seeing is a lot of, even some of my clients who have just felt a tremendous load off, not having to deal with the microaggressions as much at work because they work remotely. Yes. Yes. And I, I'm... I'm interested to, to hear, of course, we're both coaches and have a level of confidentiality, so we're not going to tell client stories, but in terms of themes, um, micro, like less microaggressions is one thing I've definitely heard. Um, having more space to think mm-hmm. is something I've also heard because there's just so much 
time and energy that went into the um, playing the game, you know, being at everyone's desk, doing the the chit chat, all of that stuff that is like hours a day. And it is so time consuming. <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but I remember having multiple times, like if my office door was open mm-hmm. and just random people stopping by and I'm like, I have work to do. Like even just or random asks and requests that, you know, it's not formalized in an email, but it's just coming to you because someone had an idea off the top that they wanted to just run by you. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, really um, lessening the amount of those interactions makes it easier. Uh, I'm curious, what was your um, when you were working traditional job in the, ni- in the nonprofit space like? What was your experience working remotely? Yeah, so when when working remotely pre-pandemic, so when I would have those moments where, you know, I'm either there's a conference or I'm working from home because I'm, you know, running to different meetings or just in and out of the office for a second, there was this level of freedom. I think I felt lighter. <laughs> Honestly, like just because the environment um, was heavy in terms of all the people who were, you know, there for a good reason, many of them there for a good reason, but being weighed down by all the office politics. Um, so it just, it, it, it felt like there was just a lot more space in all, all the meaning of the word to like do what I needed to do to engage with people, to also just be out of the office and even being with whether if it was other practitioners or people who were practitioners and or part of directly impacted community and being like, oh yeah, this is why we're doing this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not for, and I know we've talked about this, literally being in an office where the organizational dopamine is, uh, is gossip. Yes. <laughs> and you're just like, is this really what we're here to do? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. is this, like, this is taking up a lot of time. Um, but yeah, and then, you know, being in consulting, it was much more like, you know, from March 13th, 14th, when everything shut down, and then that was a whole nother story, but yeah, in the nonprofit space, having that, that's, that just time away was life-giving in many ways, in a, in a, in a professional sense. What about, what about for you? I think overall, it was good. Um, I remember really at the height pre-pandemic, working from home would be, maybe a couple days a week working from home. Mm-hmm. And and there were times where, whether I had to travel for family reasons or whatever, where I'd be working remotely. And it it definitely gave me space to, to think and not have to deal with those interactions. But there was also a lot of stress around, what is this next email going to say? Mm. You know, so, and then not being able to address it in person or having to wait until the next day or because it, it seemed like some things would get, I wouldn't say out of control or out of hand, but it's like I, I, it seemed like there were conversations that were happening in person about work that I was doing or involved in. And then somehow those things didn't get translated to email or sometimes things got misconstrued. So that part was frustrating for me, to be yeah. honest. But... So that could that created another level of anxiety, but at the same time, not having to commute 
and not having to deal with, again, a lot of those those pleasantries and, and not even pleasantries, but just the, you know, I didn't smile enough and not having to worry about what my face looks like and I can just get my work done. You know, that was really helpful for me. Yeah. Yeah. And even and in, in on that, and, and I think and I wanted to ask, was there nuance in that hybrid environment that it sounds like when you were working remotely before the pandemic to then like everyone is remote in some way, like during the height of the pandemic, before we were having people there in person, if there was a dynamic shift in terms of how are they talking about my work? What are the side conversations? Or did that continue from hybrid pre-pandemic into the pandemic? So I had already left the work world, the traditional work world before the pandemic. So I left a few months before. So I actually didn't work when everyone was fully remote. By that point, I was already out That's and right. on That's and on right. my career break, so I didn't have that experience. But um, like I said, I have had some clients who have dealt with that, and everything I've heard and the feedback that I've gotten has been pretty positive. And and even in toxic environments or hostile work environments, where a lot of folks pre-pandemic felt like they had to get out right away, felt like they had more time to find something else because they weren't dealing with those things in person. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what I, that's what I felt like, okay, it at least gave them more reprieve and more room to think about what they needed and wanted to do next because they didn't feel so much of that pressure and tension from all of the stress of being in the office. Yeah. So, and, and also too, I think just being, being out of the office or working remotely, it just gives you flexibility tend to your life if you need to run out and go do something I mean now granted they do have lots of systems that are tracking keystrokes and that are doing all sorts of things so um, everyone doesn't have that flexibility but even to just be able to go get a drink of water and not worry about who you have to run into you know it's like three four conversations you have to have before you can get your your coffee or tea or whatever and go back to, to your desk and yeah. a lot can happen in that time. A lot of potential HR infractions could happen in that time frame. So to not ha and and there's not to, it's not to say that you don't have those sorts of things when you're in a Zoom meeting or in email. You know, a lot of things can come up, but it's a lot less likely. And that and that um, really resonates with what I experience and what clients and friends have experienced of this. How did the microaggressions, the um, the micromanagement or <laughs> macro management microaggressions translate from being in the office to being uh, remote. And many of those things that you mentioned, whether it's, you know, looking at your face while you're on Zoom and then whether it's after the meeting or during the meeting and saying like, Latrina, what does that face mean? Right. You know, or literally having trainings about how we are all on zoom certain people are going to choose to show their faces or going to choose to show their backgrounds others will be blurred this isn't a a way another way to assess people's like you know attentiveness mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. you know their wealth or whatever and we'd have those conversations and then immediately you'd have people saying like Oh, you know what's what's that in your background? It's blurred. <laughs> you know, like it's like we just talked about this, or you know, the side chats happening, the um, 
the uh, I think that there 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 was the um, the kind of gotcha technology sort of so whether it's the keystroke thing, but you're supposed to have a meeting at one p.m. Your leader moves it to twelve to see like is this person actually available and on oh, doing that's doing random Zoom calls to your computer. You're like, oh, I just wanted to chat about something. It's like, but we're all creating our schedule for the day working on what we need to work on. And of course, I'm thinking of, of, you know, one of your famous phrases of like, you're in your boss's domain when you're yes. at work, you're there yes. to execute their vision. But that doesn't necessarily mean when I have, you know, blocked off time that I'm going to write this report, that you're just going to randomly Zoom call me and then I'm just supposed to talk for however you want and about whatever. Of course, you know, you're an employee, but just that sort of stuff would come up and to your point around being able to do the things that you need to do in your life, I think we both also saw that there were certain people where they left in the middle of the day, went to a dentist appointment, came back. There were no questions. Oh, absolutely. There was absolutely. And then others, oh, I came by your desk. Where were you? Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, you're supposed to put that in a sick time. Oh, you're like that sort of stuff that was in person that was just like just so obvious around like I'm trying to make sure you're put in your place I'm trying to create a paper trail for a performance-related issue. That was just every opportunity to do that, they would take that advantage. Um, so, yeah. And that's, that's really interesting, even that point of, you know, you, you have an appointment, you have a doctor's appointment, and some people were penalized for taking that or they had to use personal time, and others, they just left in the middle of the day. They never did take took personal time, vacation time, sick time, never did any of that. Mm-hmm. Never questioned, you know, never had to deal with any of that. Yeah. Such a good point. Yeah. And I'll just say in terms of my, because I was um, in the uh, in the remote work situation, like in a organization when it switched, I'll say that in the position that I was in, I was still given a lot of freedom. There was not micromanagement. There was not like, where are you? What are you doing that? You're doing that. But it was more of the, um, it just everything that was in person that was challenging, which I know we'll talk about in another episode, just translated into the remote pieces. So, you know, you think that you're on the same page about something, then a project completely changes. Or, you know, you're working closely with someone and it's going really well. Um, and then it seems like there's been a complete change in like whether it's like people's attitude about something or like something happens on the side that you're not aware of and you're not then able to like just, hey, let's get a coffee <laughs> or hey, let's chat. And you can like feel that something's there, but you don't want to name it for someone. Like that sort of thing around that you spoke to about the relationships that you've built um, the, the, the proximity, um, that was important, um, person to person that everyone got because of also like uprising for racial justice, you know, agent orange administration, all of those things, our levels of trust were very low. So like that whole dynamic, um, also made it hard in terms of, wait, am I, am, is this stuff that I'm bringing to this or is this person actually doing this? Mm-hmm. Like, is this the stuff that I'm just absorbing so much from society and the media that I'm then now placing into this dynamic? Is it fully there or am I, you know, like that sort of stuff was challenging. Not that that didn't happen in person, but it felt like it was harder to um, reconcile, if 
that mm-hmm. makes sense. Absolutely. Being fully remote. Absolutely. And I, I don't know what it's like now. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I, it's a lot of the same pressures and I think it's even gotten even worse for some people. At least that's the word from some of my clients. But, mm-hmm. um, why do you think so many organizations are hell bent on people going back to the office? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the sense I've gotten is that especially folks that are in leadership that had this idea of, and, and I'll just say they had a fantasy of how things were operating in the office before the pandemic. And they want to be able to return to that. Oh, I could walk around. We were laughing. I got to see people. We would smile. We would laugh. We would this, we would that. When you didn't know that like, actually like, Sydney doesn't like you, (laughs) (laughs) but you're like, but you're, you know, you're playing, they were playing the game and doing what the, so the, the, the stuff that we got at my last job was much more of this, like, we're going to, you know, re, you know, reinvigorate our congeniality and our, and our, uh, our, our ability to just like collaborate and this and that, and it's going to be so much better and we need to get people out of their homes and all those things which was true for some people, as they said in the article, and as we've talked about, there's some people where it's just like at home, I, this is not work for me. Yes. I need to be at, like for myself, I need to be at a gym, trying to do it at home does not work for me. But it, it, it often my question was, was like, for whom is this going to be better? Because the amount of like tomfoolery you would see in the office of like just walking around, feet on desks, having loud conversations behind, taking pens off your desk to write things and just throwing it back. You know, all of that stuff that people loved of just like, I'm in this kingdom and I can feel, fully feel my power as a leader in this physical space. That's not necessarily what middle management or analytical staff or program manager staff or other people are feeling. Um, And so getting a reprieve from that sort of stuff I think is really important, but, but to your question, I think it's this mix of things felt better to me as a leader when we were in person. Um, and maybe I kind of want to monitor my staff a little bit more closely. I think that's it. <laughs> and, um, we, we don't really have the time to delve into this too much, but I think that lack of trust for staff and, and look, I, I think you hit it where what you, when you said everyone's not meant or can work remotely, whether that means they don't have the focus, they don't have the discipline, you know, it, it can be hard for a lot of people. But mm-hmm. I do think that for many, especially a lot of black people, it the the reprieve, the, the de-stress um, that happens when you... Um, when you can work from home is quite valuable, but also some things can get lost in translation Mm -hmm. and you don't have a chance to, there's something about just having a conversation face to face that does get things done um, a lot better, more efficiently without um, sort of the, the innuendos or whatever you think someone is saying, but you're not really sure. Although that can happen in person as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think a lot of organizations have a lot of managers that don't really have work to do. 
And so because of that, their only work is micromanaging or looking over someone's shoulder to see who they can um, either write up or give a poor performance review to or something like that or target for whatever reason. And because of that, um, they might feel like they're losing their jobs. And I think when people worked remotely, what I saw was it was becoming clear who was doing work and who wasn't. Mm. It was becoming clear who had value and who didn't. But those managers, many of them have held on, whether it was because the leadership really liked them or had a good relationship with them. And so many of them were able to hold on to their jobs when some of them should have been fired. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it, and it also, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this in another episode, but what you're sharing is really bringing up for me <laughs> that some of those managers where their entire job was just about in very toxic ways pushing their teams to hit goals and hit numbers, that they're actually more effective at being toxic in person than remotely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Um, any final thoughts on <laughs> remote work um, for black leaders or any thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah. I think I think that, that to what you've been saying about um, that reprieve and being able to get more space and, and all the things that we're talking about, that if you're in a position to, as they said in the article, to like, take a little bit of a pay cut or, you know, change a little bit in your job title, but maintain a little bit, maintain that freedom to also like do work from anywhere, not even just being at home. But that's another thing we're seeing is people are figuring out like how to travel and, and yes. see the places they've wanted to see. So um, I think that, that we, as much as we can need to do what we can to make this uh, a part of the way that organizations, corporations offer jobs, that this should not be, you know, the only thing that's open to us is if you live within a certain mile proximity to this major city, then that's when you can work for this company that, um, you know, as we're seeing, like there's a reverse great migration. There's like all of these things happening that are going to be in support of us and the ways we want to live our lives, raise our families, take care of elders. Um, and I don't know exactly how we're going to do it, but overall, as we've said in other episodes, you know, they, in many ways, they need us more than we need them. <laughs> mm-hmm. And all the skills and all the things um, and the perspective that we bring. So having this be a part of our negotiation um, should just be a way forward. What about for you? I agree. I think remote work is the way to go. And I, I do think there are some benefits and maybe there are moments throughout the year, the quarter where you can get together with your team and you can collaborate and plan. And because I, I do believe there's a lot of value in that and you can plan for that. But then people can travel. Mm-hmm. They can travel for a week in the office or Um, a weekend or whatever it is to just do this team building work or this planning work um, or strategy work together in a group and then everyone go back to where they live so that you can live in a place where you you might need to move closer to your family but you need the income from this job because many organizations are in New York City but you don't want to live here Mm -hmm. for whatever reason 
And so I think having that flexibility is really important. And I do think that that the ability to not have to deal with so many of the issues that come up in the office, because I, I, I don't think that a lot of organizations take it seriously enough. Mm. And, or, and if they do take it seriously, they don't do enough to mitigate those issues. Whether it's racism, whether it's the microaggressions, i.e. overt macroaggressions, <laughs> direct <laughs> aggression, <laughs> you know. So I, I think there's a lot that organizations, a lot of work that they have to do to make being in the office worthwhile. And until that happens, um, remote work is a way to go. And even if it does happen, still remote work is great for people given the way we're living our lives now. So yeah, yeah. that's what I say. Well said. Thanks all for listening. And uh, that's all for this episode. Um, be sure to give us, give us five stars. If you enjoy this, uh, leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. If you have any feedback for us, uh, we'd love to know. And um, that's all for now. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much, everyone.